Hey, welcome back to another edition of Leading Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas. I'm with my co-host, Milkar. Hey, listen, we're going to be uh, terminating the blog talk today. Um, so if you want to uh, join in the conversation, join us at the Leaving the Ring channel. And, uh, and if you want to jump on and talk boxing with us, you can uh, let us know. We'll send you a private link and you can jump on there. Uh, we're just going to get off a of block talk for a minute and work on the YouTube channel there. So this will be the end of the, the block talk here. But I will be we will be throwing up the audio for you guys can archive it here on the Leaving the Ring block talk. OK, but uh, as right now, here we go. We're going to go directly to youtube see you guys there yep we're live right now on youtube so what's up brother how you doing uh i'm good i'm happy to be back live on camera with my man david across the country i'm here in the bronx you're in northern california it's nice to see you again we've been doing it over the phone recently I know, man. I've been having to hold up the uh, face expressions on my own and uh, the reactions and <laughs> on the camera and stuff, man. Right, right. Um, well, we got a lot of stuff to talk about here on Leaving the Ring. You know, obviously, we got a stack Saturday night. Um, you know, uh, it's starting to start. It's starting to feel like boxing all over again. You know what I mean? That feeling of, of you know, barbecue and cracking open some cold ones and sit there on a full Saturday and watch a bunch of fights, man. I'm excited. I'm really excited uh, about the whole pay-per-view uh, event from Showtime because it's bringing back those memories that we kind of lost since the uh, COVID pandemic uh, situation for the beginning of, well, the mid-year, no, well, March, starting in March in, of uh, this year, right? Yep, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we had some decent boxing this weekend, but I think next week's cards are really what uh we're really looking forward to um i mean there's three you know good good matchups ahead of us that i know we're ready to talk about and that we're excited about right dave absolutely yeah no i I, i'm definitely i mean there's you know what there's more than that especially on the pay-per-view with the charlo twins which is their this is their debut right uh uh, to headline uh, a big pay-per-view event like this, but the undercard is really good too. I don't know if you had a chance to take a look at that schedule there for Saturday, but you know, even the zone, even though that you check on their schedule, they really don't got anything, but to have the world series uh, uh, finale back on there on the same day, which will be at 9.00 AM. It's also something there to look forward to, you know, um, you know, before we take that dive about, about the fights, and even recap this past weekend, uh, uh, Showtime and ESPN fights. Right. Um, I want to I want to talk a little bit about Canelo and DeZone and the lawsuit. You know, we had a uh, we had a uh, 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 Kurt from the best Boston Esquire come on, and he's a lawyer, been a lawyer for thirty years in the boxing business, as well as managing fighters, and he's now uh, venturing on to a new gig with Evan Rokowski in Ring City. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he came on and. and it was really kind of early in the game to talk about the lawsuit, but as we saw, it's kind of been, uh, um, um, they didn't, well, the, the Canelo team, his lawyer, which I kind of find it hard to believe here, Emil Carr, that they didn't fill out the paperwork correctly. Okay. I had said this. Remember when I told Kurt, Kurt, do you think this is a way to shake things up to let the zone and golden boy know that Canelo team is a bit serious about what they want to do and move forward with you know, but not for, for them not filling it out. And they have until September 28 to get the right documents in. If this doesn't happen, what do we think of this then? 
is it exactly what we thought? It's a, you know, cry me a river type of deal in terms of like, instead of like stomping to my bedroom and slamming the door, this was Canelo's way of doing it. Well, I think Canelo just really wants to get out of his contract. Um, I don't know the kind of legal advice he's getting, what the legalities of it are, but I mean, it's not a good look when you don't even file basic paperwork correctly. Right, Dave? I mean, yeah. I mean, you would think, look, unless you're like this new guy that that just got on the firm, right, and uh, didn't know where to insert your first name and your last name and stuff or not know who you're suing and what kind of an entity they are. Um, it, I find that very hard to believe. I mean, you had to be a newbie, right? I mean, you had to be a rookie to do this. I mean, did they have a, did they have a lawyer to do this or is this a paralegal? Even a paralegal knows better, you know? So I kind of found it really kind of etchy in my opinion, when I heard about that and I read about it, you know, and that just kind of, for me, it was a red flag or maybe a, a, just a, like I said, a, a, a warning sign that was thrown out there to DAZN and Golden Boy that if they don't get their shit together, this is what's going to happen next. And as we saw, Oscar De La Hoya responded back to that, that, to that, you know, not filled out documents that were not sent out correctly as in, hey, hopefully we can work this out before September, September 28th. So, you know, and seeing that the... WBC has postponed any bids for Canelo and the other guy he's supposed to be supposed to fight for the vacant 168 title for now October 6th. That says a lot, in my opinion. And uh, I think we might see Canelo back on the zone sooner than we thought. And I think that relationship might be mended sooner than we thought. I don't think it's completely destroyed unless they don't get that situated. Then we see Canelo and his team move forward. But right now, uh, the way I'm seeing it, I, I think I think they're going to get this thing done and over with, and they're going to give the kid what he wants. Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. Um, if he can get even a little bit of what he's owed left on the contract and then kind of becomes a free agent, I think it would be a, a good look for him. I think one of the bad things about being live, Dave, is that you get your, your cords and stuff caught on camera. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, not all Chicano profit. What's up, brothers? Thanks for joining us here on uh, Leaving in the Ring. Uh, no, go ahead, Milkar. What are you saying, man? Just saying hi to no, the, the yeah, familia. Uh, it's not a good look for him, Dave. Um, no. But if he can get even a bit of the of the money he's owed, um, it's it's valuable to him. If maybe he can become a free agent, I just yeah. don't know if he's going to get thirty five to forty million dollars a fight. Um, from anybody other than than the zone what about you i i don't think so either i mean they they're not taking i mean if i i heard that canelo's willing to kind of shave off the top of what was originally uh guaranteed to him you know but i think a new deal would probably go in because there's no live gate that a new deal could be drawn up uh an extension to that contract saying that as the moment you know because of the pandemic and no live gate um you know, we're going to give you this X amount, but then we're going to have to, you know, meet you maybe in 2003 when the live gates open back up, hopefully. Right. You know, and then they're going to have to uh, play catch up on, you know, on almost like an interest of owing Canelo uh, for not giving him the full amount that was promised originally. That's the only way I see it happening. But uh, how much how much of the guarantee that 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 Canelo was offered is going to be shaved into a smaller amount. 
maybe five million would probably be reasonable for Canelo and, and Canelo team because I don't see them going any any lower than that. You know, I I think they're going to stick to their guns and try to try to at least have as much money in their excuse me in their pocket because of the fact like you have mentioned the mill car strong possibility it's an LLC they can bankrupt and leave uh, the United States and not worry about coming back here or worry about getting sued by Canelo Alvarez. You know, but I don't think they would want to do that. It it would leave a bad taste, you know. Um, but who knows, man? It's it's such a it's such a weird game in the boxing business, you know. Um, so many people that I talk to in the boxing business, I swear, man, there's no hold bars in it. There's no, you know, drawing the line in the sand when it comes to that type of business. Yeah. Um we we can only wait and see what happens. Um I who, who knows? I mean, I didn't expect him to lose the first round in the courts. So I, I honestly don't know what's going to happen next. I just think most fans are just really eager to see Canelo back in the ring. Absolutely. You know, I mean, most fans paid for the zone, you know, to, uh, to, you know, get into that the zone app for Canelo, you know, and then, and the promise as well of a lot of other fighters that were going to be uh, hosted on there. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I, Andre uh, uh, Dermachenko, Gennady Golovkin, uh, even even AJ. You know, I mean, here's here's guys that were said that were going to be there on a regular, and it's just not Canelo that's not being hosted on the on the DAZN app, you know, or network, whatever you want to call it. But all the rest of these other fighters, we're not seeing them. We're not seeing them, and and partially because of the pandemic. But now that things seem to like slowly get back together, especially in the UK, they're like six months in advance on us in terms of getting shit together uh with the uh with the whole COVID-19 uh you would think they would have started hosting more fights over there or even offer Canelo to go fight down in the UK you know where Taylor right now is going to be fighting at on Saturday on ESPN plus but nobody's thinking out of the box for some reason at the uh, at the DAZN world nobody's thinking out the box the only ones that are thinking out of the box is Showtime, Top Rank and even PBC I lost you, Milkar. I can't hear you. Oh, sorry. I'm I'm back. Uh, I know I know you're not the biggest NFL fan, and mm-hmm. I'm not either. But I saw highlights. Were there fans at the Cowboys game yesterday? No, I, I don't think so. No, there isn't any fans. If I'm yeah, no there's no NFL games. Okay, so no, just cut out boards. Cut out boards of like Outlaw, G Funk, Nado, Nopal, uh, Outlaw. They're out there. Just cut out boards of them sitting out is that, there. The is family. that really what they're doing? Yeah. That's what yeah. they were doing with the baseball games in um, – And soccer, in football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't know that that's what I was seeing. That actually makes sense. <laughs> now those – I'm getting ready to pay another $100 tomorrow to re-up my DAZN, uh, is DAZN uh, uh, subscription. Man, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not being suckered in. Until I see – Honestly, until I see a full schedule on the zone, I'll think about coming back. But instead, guess what? I'm gonna do a via radio style with the zone, even with the Brevis and, and Dor- Dorquitos uh fight. I'm not gonna end up watching it on the zone app because I already canceled my my uh my subscription. I unless I still have it until the 26th, but if I don't, I'm not watching it. I'll catch yeah. it later. Uh Absolutely. And sorry, everyone, for the slight technical things I've had on my side. This is the first time I'm, I'm doing this. And uh, 
It's we a milk car's first time producing. Yeah, yeah, first time. In the ring. We got some problems with the, with the lighting. I was trying to have my wife to be help me with some stuff earlier on, and we're doing the best we can. But we're gonna get it right um, next week. Next week for sure. So what? Uh, what? What are we on to next, David? Well, you know what? I want. I did want to talk about this past Saturday fights, but man, there was such a, a snooze fest. I mean, the undercards were really good, especially on ESPN. Uh, Boots Enos um, looked phenomenal. He had a great uppercut that dropped this guy. Uh, but other than that, there's nothing much to really talk about. There's nothing much to rave about on Saturday. You know, the only thing that you could really rave is was back-to-back. There was a lot of fights. You were able to barbecue, which I did. I barbecued. I had some beers, and I sat there, and I, I you know, uh, interacted with, with uh, fight fans on our social media, etc. But really nothing there to really kind of, uh, you know, that really stands out for the Saturday night, you know. So I think we should roll on to – the, the, the reviews of the fights that are coming up. What do you think? Let me, let me ask you something real quick before we move on. Um, who were you more impressed by, Lubin or or uh, Pedraza? Or I guess neither. How about equal? Equal? Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't really impressed by by either of them that much either. Um, I was disappointed on Lubin. Here, look, I'm gonna tell you yeah. why. Because okay. Some like some folks were saying he got guaranteed uh, a world title, which is you know he might have the chance of facing uh, uh, you know one of the Charlos if they win uh, coming up on this Saturday or whatever for a title shot. But you don't want to lay nothing on the line. But how about lay something on the line that makes us want to see you get the winner of this Saturday night fight? You know. How about how about solidifying that you're a real true threat in the division? You know, how about entertaining the folks that did take time out of their Saturday to watch you on Showtime? Okay, how about that? You know, where's the honor in that? Right. I mean, you're a prize fighter. We get it. You're trying to you know, you're fighting for a prize, which is your money. And you're trying to have security for the next fight. But you got to leave a little something on the, uh, you know, out there for us to chew on, you know, and I really didn't have much to chew on. You know, uh, I saw a lot of fight fans logging off, telling me that they were glad that they logged off, that they decided to go to the UFC fight, to watch the UFC fight or to go to Netflix. That's pretty bad, man. If you want to Netflix and chill, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> I'm by saying. yourself too. By yeah. yourself alone with a pillow and a blanket. That's bad. No, absolutely. And before we actually do get to um kind of next week's uh next next week's card in terms of this weekend, I do have one complaint. Um and it's a continuous complaint I have with ESPN Plus. Why is it that when I stop or pause a fight and like leave the app and when I go back into the app, like I I have to spend two minutes trying to find the fight again? Not only do they not remember where I last watched the fight, but I also have to worry about just finding the fight in general. Because what ended up happening uh, last weekend for me is actually paused the ESPN card and then moved over to Showtime and then tried to get back to ESPN later. And it, it was a... It was a big mess. I, I honestly didn't think it was very good. I didn't either. You know, um, I think that's always been our complaint with with uh, these apps. You know, I mean, they still have to get things situated. I mean, you know, the thing is with ESPN Plus, you're not going to get it situated. I mean, 
they're not going to interface it again and, and revamp anything. Um, they're going to keep the way it is because, look, the majority of people that are trafficking through are baseball fans, football fans, and, and basketball fans. I mean, the, the UFC has an icon for themselves solely for you to click. Boxing doesn't. We just got a little glove. That tells you how much they give a shit about boxing fans, you know. And don't be surprised that, you know what, uh, ESPN may not host boxing in the next two years. We They might disappear. Showtime has been sitting back and watching this at a far understanding that this is a tough, tough, tough uh, business to be in. And they also understand that people trickle into the to the to the sport of boxing. How many promoters have been throughout boxing in the past three years? You know, I mean, we've had guys with a lot of money, a lot of weight to come through boxing and say they were going to make a change. 50 Cent, Jay-Z, Dana White said he was going to come into uh, uh, boxing and change it. And none of them have ever, none of them has ever accomplished that. The zone came in with a one billion dollar budget, and guess what? A one billion dollar budget couldn't change the way things are or or worked and organized in boxing. That tells me nothing will. Boxing can't fix itself. It doesn't want to fix itself. You know. So that's where we're at. The only thing we got to do as fight fans is enjoy the fights that are being made and the ones that are producing the fights for us. You know, I know we bag on top rank and I know we bag on PBC. We bag on Showtime, but guess what? They're kind of like the, the, the last uh, three standing that are surviving and they're producing stuff. You know, Golden Boy is just trying to find a home. Hopefully they can find a home in Reading City. If you guys haven't had a chance to hear about that, that's actually a really good idea that Evan and Kirk came up with. So I hope that all works out for them and stuff. You know, once I get more details, I'll come back and let you guys know this and all that. But I say we start off with the ESPN plug in London here. Uh, Emil Carr, what do you think? Uh, you're talking about the Taylor fight? Oh, I'm talking about the Taylor fight and that uh, Kong song uh, Kong fight. Kong, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm a I'm a fan of Josh Taylor and the way he fights, and I have not really seen him in too many uh, fights that that weren't entertaining. And and you're you're kind of like me in the sense that you appreciate high level boxing and skill. And right. Josh Taylor is able to transition well from offense to defense. He's got a really good jab, and he can fight inside as well as he can fight outside. He's very uh, you know, high, highly skilled. And while we don't know much about Kong Song, we do know that Thai fighters are generally very tough. Tough. Um, so I'm looking forward to a, a, a really good, good, uh, good fight. Remember Sor Rungvisai? Like he came out of nowhere and look at what he did with Chocolatito. So yeah. I don't know if we're going to see an upset like that, but I do think we're going to get a good, uh, rugged performance out of the Thai fighter because he's undefeated as well. He's undefeated. He has the same record. Uh, you know, uh, uh, he just has one KO uh, more than uh, than Taylor. Um, same height. They're both 5'10". You know, uh, the only thing is Taylor's a southpaw. Uh, Kong Song has got a good right hand, and he also knows how to throw a beautiful left uppercut. You know, um, there's not a whole lot of tape, but like you mentioned a little earlier, uh, Thailand firefighters are known to be very rough, strong, come forward and could take a good solid shot, you know? So this is going to be something very interesting. You know, we may not see the best of, of, of Taylor because, um, you know, if you look at them, they mirror each other in size, uh, you know, in height and, 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 and the confidence level is going to be there. So, you know, that Kung Song is going to come and show up. And the only thing I, I'm worried about for Kung Song is that, you know, he's not the fastest guy. He's not very quick. Um, 
he does tend to kind of try to stay in the pocket too long and wait for a receipt. And that would have the advantage for Josh Taylor to take, to take, you know, because uh, his hands are really quick, you know, and he puts the punches together really, really well. So I'm curious how Kung Sung is going to numbify that and kind of keep him at the end of his punches. Because if you notice with Kung Sung, what I've seen of him is that he does good when he has arm distance, uh, you know, for him to kind of throw his punches to get there, you know? So how is he going to do against uh, Taylor if he decides to come in with angles? I'm not quite sure. So, but I do expect this to probably go the distance. I'm not about, I'm not, if, I'm not sure if Taylor can get the KO. Um, not saying he can't, but I, I'm not sure if he wants to find out how strong this Thailand finder is. Yeah. Um, you know, if I was Taylor, as much as I'd like to put on a, uh, uh, you know, an exciting performance, and I'm sure he will excite at least the hardcore boxing fans, I do think he also has to box, uh, box very cautiously because he's got a big money fight in the horizon with uh, with Ramirez. And I, I know as boxing fans, that's really what we're looking forward to. So, you know, I do think he's going to put on uh, a good performance, but, you know, I do think he's also going to box cautiously. And also what I know you're interested in too, Dave, is let's see how he gels with Ben Davidson as his trainer. This is the first time they yeah. they've, they've teamed up. And, you know, Davidson obviously is known for his work with Tyson Fury in those comeback fights. And then in the first fight with uh, Deontay Wilder, which I guess was a comeback fight as well. But let's see how he does with, with someone very different than Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is a huge, uh, you know, massive heavyweight. Uh, uh, Josh Taylor is also highly skilled like Fury, but he's he boxes differently than Fury. So I'd like to see kind of what what he can do i i know his last coach was shane mcguigan and he kind of parted ways with shane and um and uh shane's father who was kind of his manager slash promoter out there in the uk so it's also kind of a coming out party in the sense that taylor signed with mtk global new management he signed with top rank new promoter and he's got a brand new trainer in ben davidson so i know uh there, there's that kind of aspect to it as well this could be the right opponent for Taylor and Davis because, you know, uh, we don't know a whole lot about Kunsung, you know, and uh, being that he's only got a certain amount of fights underneath his belt, you know, um, definitely is a big, a big hurdle for, for the Thailand fighter and stuff, but, but also it could go against him because, you know, Kunsung's not a small guy, you know, at 5'10", and he's a big guy, and he ha he does use his jab a lot. You know, if you've had a chance to watch him, he he likes to use his jab a lot. So you know, that right hand, how he blinds he got his opponents with his jab, that right hand could cause a lot of problems for the Southpaw Taylor. You know, so it could it could it could either work for Taylor, being that he's kind of a novice right now in the pro rankings, and Taylor we know a lot about him and being an Olympian, and he's been in you know uh, uh, um, I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm thinking somebody um, but I mean he's been in there with progress. Uh, uh, you know, he's fought some of the high level fighters and stuff like uh, uh, Victor uh, Postal. You know, that experience itself is going to work really well. But going in with a guy that has nothing to lose could work against them, or it could be a much tougher fight for them than expected, especially having a new trainer like that. But then again, like I can say it may work for them because this is my this may be the right opponent for them, you know, to 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 see 
if some of the stuff, the new stuff they've been working on is going to work against a guy right now that doesn't have the experience that Taylor has. So in a lot of ways, this fight's really interesting, and I'm actually looking forward for this fight, which is going to be like early in the morning on ESPN. Yeah, I, you know, I just thought of something based on what you said. It actually makes sense that he's, you know, I know this is a mandatory um I think it's a mandatory. It is a mandatory. Yeah, yes. a mandatory, but it worked out well for him because he's fighting a rugged guy. So a first or second round knockout wouldn't really give him kind of the experience he needs with a new trainer. Whereas if it goes into the late rounds and he's got to, you know, make some adjustments and work um, with, with uh, the, the the things that, that uh, he's obviously working on with Ben Davidson, I think that, you know, if the fight goes into the middle, middle or later rounds, it's going to be... A beneficial to to Josh Taylor. Absolutely. Yep. I, I think so too. You know, like I said, my pick right now is going to be Josh Taylor taking it to the distance. I think that Josh Taylor is going to probably go out there and uh, give him a, give a, give a couple fill out rounds, see exactly what is uh, Kung Sung all about, you know, and um, probably drag him to the later rounds and stuff with the championship rounds to see whether or not if he's championship caliber. I think between the eighth and ninth, we're going to find out. Everything we want to know about Kong Song. Is he going to dig deep? Is he there for a paycheck? Is he going to be starstruck? You know, there's so many things that's going to come and play with Kong Song because this is kind of like a new, this is a, like three leaps into his career, you know? So I'm really curious about that. He could, he can arise the occasion and stuff, but I kind of see Taylor just dragging him on, getting that work, getting those rounds in. And then uh, if it's, if he sees that it's easy, and that he's wearing down the Italian fighter, he may go for that kill. But as of right now, what I think, what I'm seeing is uh, um, I think he's going to take the distance, distance and it's going to be a unanimous decision. Yeah, I, I I can see that as well. I, like I said, I expect uh, a rugged performance out of out of uh, the, the Thai fighter, Kong Song. Hey, don't forget to hit the like button and hit that uh, – uh, um, that little bell so you're notified every time we're going to go live here on Leland Ring. I wrote a bunch of stuff here of my list of what I wanted to talk about, and I can't find it. I don't know what the hell I did with it. Well, so I know we- you want. I know you wanted to talk about the the Charlo double header, so we can do that now. We absolutely can, man. You want to start off with the main events, or do you want to start off with the undercards? Uh, why let's don't go we- main events? What do you, what do you think about yeah, that? Let's go, let's go main event. So Charlo Devrinchenko. I mean, this is going to be a good fight. Um, I mean, my only problem with the card is that it's $75 and it's a pay-per-view. I honestly think that this, in an ideal world, they would have put this on Fox, just kind of how um, the the top-ranked show, the big one next month, is going to be on, on ESPN. I'm talking about, obviously, Lomachenko Lomachenko and Lopez. Yeah. That's, nobody's having to buy a pay-per-view for that. So in an ideal world, I would have wanted this to be, you know, on Fox or on Showtime. I think either or, really. So I'm not happy about that, really. But I think Devrinchenko is going to be a tough, tough customer. And this is actually, for me, a pick and fight. Like, I'm waiting until the end of the week to make my prediction on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, Devrinchenko gave Triple G all he could handle and then some. He gave Daniel Jacobs all he could handle and then some and you could make a case that he won both of those fights um i don't know if jermal charlo is 
better than those two fighters. Um, I, I guess we'll see because if he is better, he's going to let us know on Saturday. Um, but, you know, I think Devrinchenko, despite the fact that he's not that tall, um, can box mm-hmm. effectively from the outside. He can get inside under you. He's got long amateur pedigree. He's got respectable punching power. And yep. he's in shape. Like, he boxes for a full 12 rounds. So I think I think it's going to be a good fight. I think it's going to be an excellent fight. You know, um, everything that you pointed out, I agree agree with you a lot. I mean, look, Dermachenko is a tested, tested guy. You know, um, you talk to anybody in the East Coast that even like Lou DeBella and them, they would tell you that this guy gives a hell when he goes in to spar with anybody. You know, um, Danny Jacobs knew that. They, they knew each other very well before facing each other in the square ring in front of uh, millions of people. So, you know, Gennady Golovkin will tell you how tough he is. You know, he almost had Gennady Golovkin out of there until the ref stepped in and kind of took that moment away from, you know, uh, Dermanchenko. What really kind of lies in this fight for me is the questions we've had about Charlo. You know, um, this guy, Dermanchenko, may be, the best name on his resume. This is the step that we want to see. You know, we didn't go after uh, Danny Jacobs. We didn't get a chance to see that happening. Um, you know, so Dermanchenko to me is the perfect guy to kind of debut his pay-per-view. Is the $75 going to be worthy to see, you know, Dermanchenko and Charlo? We're going to find out. You know, we're either going to be happy with the end result or we're not going to be with it and stuff. You know, Dermachenko is a shorter guy, like you mentioned, but he's got fast feet. He knows how to close that distance. Okay. And he also knows how to fight in the outside, like you just mentioned, a Mokar. But you know, the one thing that I do like that he does is that when he closed that distance, he knows how to go to the body and then come back to the head. Okay. He's a rough, tough guy. He's a rough, tough guy. You know, he's not afraid to get dirty. As well as Charlo, you know, we don't know how how much Charlo has to dig deep. He's always kind of looked like the more uh, dominant guy in there. So uh, this is going to be a very good test. How much of the Gennady Golovkin uh, did it take out of Dermanchenko? I don't know, but we're going to find out when they step in the ring on Saturday on uh, on the 26th. Yeah, I mean, uh, we definitely are. And... <laughs> As much as I think this is going to be a good fight, I also think that the fight with uh, Banana is going to be a, let's uh-huh. just say it's going to be Bananas. Rosario, Jason Rosario. Yeah, that guy, is- he converted me into a fan. Oh, yeah. I think he converted a lot of folks into a into a fan. Rum, DMC, uh, Rum PMC. Um, I'm going to have to go with, uh, what do you got? What, do you, what was it, a uh, barbecue or original? I'm going to go original. But, um. Going back with Jason Rosario, look, his coming out party is when he went out there and he beat the brakes out of Julian Williams, J-Rock, okay? Um, J-Rock might have came out with the the wrong plan. You know, uh, he was originally supposed to face somebody else. He wasn't supposed to – he was supposed to face uh, uh, um, Hurt again, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, didn't happen. So he ended up going in there and facing uh, 
Rosario, who was a wild card, a guy that really a lot of folks that thought that J-Rock was going to box circles, uh, manhandle him in a lot of ways because he had more, far more experience. It was because he had he had a far more known name, not experience, but far more, more, more name. But the yeah. one thing that Rosario brought to the table in that fight night was he was possessed. He Absolutely. wanted to make a statement. You know, he wanted to show the world that he belonged in the same breath of the Charlos and everybody else that was running around in that division. And he showed us, you know, and that's the one thing that I wanted to see from Lubian, Erickson Lubian, and, you know, was that do you belong in the division? You know, where how Rosario did it, that was the statement. So I expect him and I hopefully, I hope that he comes out possessed once again because, you know, you, there's, you either love the Charlos or you hate them. There is no in between, okay? But you got to admit, those both guys, especially the young, the the the, the 154, 154, Jermel, yeah. he's angry, dude. He's yeah. even pissed that his brother gets more of the limelight. You know, it's gotten underneath his skin. So well, his brother didn't get beat by Tony Harrison. Did exactly, you know. So this is going to be who's got the bigger will in this fight. You know, right now Jason Rosario is riding high. Off of that big win that he got off of J-Rock and having a title, you know, did it affect him? Did it get to his head? Did he train his hard? Is the hunger there equally the way it was on the night he beat J-Rock? Because I tell you what, that kid, Charlo, that line is super hungry to make his statement. Because regardless of what they said prior in the beginning of the careers, both twins saying that, you know, they, 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 they would call each other like, well, my brother's better. No, he's better. Now he's really trying to say, no, my brother's not better than me. I'm the best. I want to prove I'm the best. So either Charlo comes out quick or or Rosario does. Either one of them has got to do something because equally, I think there's a lot of strength between both guys and they both hit pretty hard here. So to me, this is a fight of who decides to be the lead dancer in the first bell. Yeah. And um, I, I, I agree. I just see Banana as a possessed, unrelenting, tough-as-nails guy that's going to be in shape and is not going uh, to stop uh, throwing punches. And the thing with Banana that I noticed, too, he's got a great chin in addition to being in shape. I mean, being in shape probably has a lot to do with it. So I know Charlo's somewhat known for his punching power. Um, and his chin. Yeah, and this chin. So I I just see a really good fight. I actually both of these two fights, they're kind of co-main yeah. events. I think they're gonna t flip coins or do something to see uh, which one that actually ends up being the, the main event. But um, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Look, I know that like you said right now, the complaint is the seventy dollars plus that and change that you're gonna have to spend to watch this fight, but. Here's the thing with me is that you're actually getting a 250-50 fight with two mm -hmm. in their prime fighters, okay? Both uh, on both all four fighters on, on each uh, each card are are very questionable, okay? Yeah. They're all four fighters are hungry to make a statement. All four fighters are trying to make their place in history, okay? To me, it's kind of worth it. And then you add on to the other guys that are on the undercard I actually am not I'm not one of them that are upset about paying the 70 something. I'm actually okay with it because I kind of see it's going to be fulfilled with all the fights there, you know. And especially like I said, a 50-50 fight, not just on one card but two. Give it to me. I want it. Yeah. 
And, and it's got even uh, more more solid fights as well. I mean, um, we've got uh, Daniel Roman, although it doesn't say who he's going to be fighting. We've got right. uh, a Brandon Figueroa against Damian Vasquez for Figueroa's title. Um, yep. We've got friend of the but show. You know, Figueroa, you know, uh, Brandon Figueroa, uh, the only way he uh, catches fights, uh, punches is with his face. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, he's got a solid chin. How, how long does it hold up? You know, um, and he's never in a bad fight because of his style. You know, he likes to walk through not just the fire, but he likes to walk through the bombs. You know, I mean, absolutely. The, the guy's face, you could call it Afghanistan, how many, how many bombs he, he takes to the face. You know, so that there alone is going to be a pretty good fight. You know, yeah, seriously. Uh, Diego Magdaleno is going to be there too, a friend of the show. Mm-hmm. With, uh, Isaac Cruz, I see Diego Magdaleno doing well in that fight. And then obviously, We've got a uh, Mario Patio. He's a tough customer too. I don't know if you guys know that. You know, he's a oh, he's yeah. a tough guy. You know, it's not going to be an easy win for uh, uh, Diego Magdaleno. That's actually a really good fight there. You know, it could be uh, like a co-feature and an ESPN card. I like every. I like I like every fight on this card. Yeah, I mean it's it's a solid card. You know, um, and yeah, you know, I'm going to be paying it because at the end of the day, you're like me, Dave. We don't really go out all that much, so we save those pennies and pay to pay for these pay per views. I live for it, baby. <laughs> uh, if you guys want to join us here, uh, you obviously can't call in onto the block talk because we wanted to make sure that we had this locked down and uh, before we pull into the whole block talk thing. But well, uh, we can email know. you. Yeah, we can email you. Can, yep, and then you can join us here on Leave It in the Ring. Don't yeah, forget to hit that like button and hit that notification bell so that you know when we go on live here on uh, Leave It a Ring. Don't forget, too, also on Thursdays on the archives, you get uh, Hispanics causing panics. Um, you want to go, go over that email, David? Yes, sir. It's leave it in the ring at gmail.com, right? Uh, y- yes. All right, so people should be seeing it there. And, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Um, like David was saying, we have the capability of uh, bringing you on into the uh, into the stream. So uh, it would be great to hear from some of you guys that are out there right now. Mm-hmm. All right? Yeah, so uh, next up, uh, David, is I know it's a fight that – We've been looking forward, feels like we've been looking forward to this fight for about a what maybe two years now. The uh Bradis Torticos fight, yes, Bradis and Torticos. I mean, uh, originally it was supposed to be at one spot, it originally had a date, but the COVID 19 knocked that out of the park. Uh, but now it's happening. Um, now it's I believe it's now in down in Germany, right? Yeah, um, and it's for the obviously the world boxing super series final at cruiserweight uh those of you who remember the first installment uh bradis ended up losing in the in the uh semi-final against gasayev and that fight was honestly one of the most underrated fights of that year it was a tremendous brutal tremendous fight yep Uh, so this is a second crack at the world boxing super series i don't know if we're gonna see another world boxing super series after this year um but uh, this should be an excellent, excellent fight because uh, Bradis is also a very high-level high level boxer. 
And Dorticos actually doesn't fit the mold of like the stereotypical idea of what a Cuban boxer is and does. I mean, he gets in there and he bangs. He he he's not trying to uh you know uh, fight pretty in there. He goes in and he goes to war. He does. You know, um I'm 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 really you know, here's the thing about about Torquitos is that uh, he's a guy that so heavy-handed, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and uh, he's going to come forward. Um, he could box, but he always kind of like just, I mean, he believes in his power so much that he almost kind of forgets that he's Cuban. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, and decides to throw his hands and stuff. The breed is this, is this guy that's about as rugged as you can get, you know. So I'm 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 almost kind of seeing both of these guys back in in again in a war, you know. Um, I don't see this going the distance, man. I don't know about you, but I don't see this going the distance, you know. Um, I think that Breedis can take uh, Dorquitos' power. I think he's gonna be able to take his punch. Um, and I think that Dorquitos is gonna be able to take his pressure because they've been there. It's almost kind of like they've been there, they've done that, you know, in that sense. Um, it's to me, it's how much is left of them still in there to take such a very difficult, physical, hard fight. I'm wondering whose body softened up a bit, and especially because of the layoff here, who's gonna kind of kind of slacked off in here, you know? Um, who's gonna have the endurance to go forward, you know? Um, if somebody decides to work the body early, it could change the whole the whole you know uh, 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 fight in in a blink of an eye. So in a lot of ways, this this could be a very short war. Or it could be a drawn-out war, which we've seen both of these guys go through and stuff, you know. So it's a very interesting fight. I mean, Saturday, man, alone. If you're not going to get the pay-per-view fights, Saturday alone with DAZN and ESPN+, Plus, you're going to be entertained. Just that it's early in the morning, and you're just going to see us tweeting at, 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 in, in the evening about the Showtime pay-per-view fights here because you're not going to watch them. Yeah, I, and the thing is, I know that the cruiserweight division really doesn't get a lot of play in um, the United States, or historically it hasn't. But honestly, it's always been a really good division. And it's like the modern-day version of what the old-school heavyweight division was because these are guys that weigh in at 200 pounds, and on fight night they're fighting at 215, 220 after they rehydrate. So they are like the heavyweights of you know the 70s and the 60s and, and times gone past. And I'll always remember when I was growing up, like one of the best fights I saw was like James Tony Vasily Jirov. I'm sure you remember that fight, David. Um, that that was just a tremendous fight. If I remember correctly, it was on ESPN as well. So it was like one of the best fights I've I saw on like the Friday Night Light series, uh, uh, Friday uh, Night Fight. Sorry, I, I'm yes. pretty sure it was one of those fights. And um, yeah, it's one that kind of had a lasting impression on me, but. The cruiserweight division is like that that division between, you know, you get speed, you get power, uh, you get kind of heavyweight boxing, but at kind of a faster pace than what we be, have become used to with a lot of the super heavyweights. Case in point, we didn't talk about this earlier, but the uh, Ajagba fight, you know, like, l- let me ask you about that. What did you actually talk about? about? <laughs> I'll tell you what I thought when I was watching it. I, I remember when Ajagba and um, Daniel Dubois were like over here, you know, like they neck were. Neck. 
in terms of how people were seeing them as prospects. Yes. And, you know, I looked at Ajagba's uh, opponent and I was like, how, not how many rounds. It was literally, I'm thinking, how many seconds would this guy last against Daniel Dubois? And then I'm looking at F.A. Ajagba and I'm like, damn, how many rounds would he go? I mean, I, I, I honestly, at this stage, I see him getting absolutely obliterated by Daniel Dubois. What do you think? If they fought tomorrow, yes. Dubois would definitely go through him. Because I think what uh, Ujaba is trying to do is find his inner Lennox Lewis, which is fight tall. Learn the jab. um, Learn how to control with long arms and the height. You know, did it look good? No, it didn't. I mean, um, I think a lot of folks uh, did exactly what his opponent did that walked into the ring and walked right out, you know, because a lot of folks were really disappointed off of his performance. But I think that what what if he's trying to do is find a long term um, style for him or find who he is, you know, because stiff competition is now kind of, you know, leaving the house. In, in, in terms of him facing this stuff, you know, um, uh, I mean, weak oppositions, I mean, you know, and he got rocked the, the, the last fight he was uh, in. So I, I think that they understand that he's, you know, because of being so tall and all that, that there's more tools to add to his arsenal. And I think that's just one of them, you know, um, I didn't want to be too harsh on him because I am a fan of him. I have still have hopes in him. But yeah. I think that once he goes back and looks at this performance, you know, there's that old saying, don't fix something that isn't broken. He doesn't even fix it, you know. Um, I think he was just trying too hard to be somebody he's not. Just like Jared Hurd. Remember Jared Hurd got a new trainer? You know, Jabba did the same thing. Got another trainer and, you know, uh, they're trying to do something else with them that it's just not them. You yeah, know, uh, better with Ronnie Shields, I think. A lot better with Ronnie Shields, you know. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know what the new guy's doing with him, but. You brought up Lennox Lewis. Lennox was smooth. This guy is like super robotic, probably even more robotic than he was in the past. Do you remember the fight that Daniel Dubois had against the Ghanaian opponent, uh, Richard Larte? Like, I, I don't know if, if based on what I saw Saturday, if F.A. Ajagba would beat uh, Richard Larte. I mean, that was an exciting fight that he had with uh, with Dubois. And I'd actually like to see Richard Larte again. I don't know. I don't know what happened to him. I'm here looking at his record. And he got Dubois. <laughs> yeah, he got Dubois, is right. Oh, he's a, he's set to fight Nathan Gorman uh, in the BT studios on October 10th. So that should be interesting. Nathan hmm. Gorman obviously being the guy that, that got KO'd pretty viciously by Daniel Dubois in what was expected to be a very competitive uh, domestic showdown out there in England. Yeah, Run just uh, pointed it out, you know, that um, uh, Ephraim and Enherd have the same trainer now. So what does yeah. that say? <laughs> right? Uh, Boots Enos, man. Um, I know a lot of folks are really calling him to step it up. They want to see him against Virgil Ortiz from Golden Boy. What do you think about that? You think that would ever happen? I don't think that would happen right away, but that is definitely a fight down the road in the future to see. I think that would be the f- kind of fight that 10 years ago we w- or 15 years ago we would have seen on, like, Boxing After Dark, you know. Mm. Um, that That is a good kind of stepping up main event, you know, and where the winner gets to, like, 
you know, world championship contender status. I mean, Virgil Ortiz is pretty much already there, I guess. But I, I think that that would be a really good fight between those two. At this point, I'd actually have to favor Virgil Ortiz. I just think his opponents have been better. I think so, too. You know, I like Boots. I mean, I just think that with Boots, there's still things out there uh, for him to prove. You know, I think the latter, um, he still needs to climb, you know. Um, I don't know why everybody's kind of in a rush to see Boots go out there and start just, you know, fighting some of the top names, you know, Um, because some of those top names are still there and they're going to be busy with each other before Boots or even Ortiz enter enter that that ring of robins that's happening right now now is it a fight that could happen between uh ortiz and boots yes because pbc and golden boy have worked together you know they've done fights together and stuff that's not a relationship that has ever dissolved uh it might have had some um bumps and roads in the beginning uh which was what about i don't know five six years ago but now i think that that can all be made um but I just don't see it happening at the moment. I think Ortiz team would be welcoming if Boots and them said they wanted him next or maybe two or three fights down the line. I think they would be willing to do it. But I don't think it would be a good mood for Boots. And I don't think Al Heyman is dumb enough to put in a potential star at the moment uh, against Ortiz. I think that he's going to do exactly what he's been doing now is keep it in-house and then uh, allow Boots to get in there with the whoever starts looking like they're aging. and kind of ends up looking like a gatekeeper for Boots to get his hands on. That's what I see happening in about two years or so. Yeah, I I think I think that's about right. And, you know, if you're his management, there really isn't a reason to really rush him. Outlaw says, PBC Welchwitz are going to duck him, both of them. I don't think they're going to duck him, Outlaw, uh, because I think they, that they're going to, fight the more recognizable names. I mean, these guys are all looking for the money, you know? Um, they're all running to the bank. And, and Ortiz and Boots right now have to prove that that they're a force to be reckoned with. So that's why I still give it like another two years before they really start entering into that, you know, and and that that any of those other guys are start going to give them a chance because what's going to happen is, is the next guy that loses, like let's say Danny Garcia loses against Errol Spence, which is – Errol Spence is much is favorite. Uh, uh, it's it's favorable heavy uh, on the betting side uh, against uh, uh, Danny Garcia. If he loses, I, I, then I see him going down and fighting some, like you know somebody down the line that's uh, that's lost as well. Okay, uh, possibly getting uh, Sean Porter if he doesn't get the winner that has been promised, right? Um, or he gets Mikey Garcia, which is the more recognizable name. But then then I then I would see like boots or even Ortiz getting him, which would be two years down the line. That's what I see happening and stuff, you know. I mean, that's kind of way the, the boxing model was always kind of like, you know, worked out and stuff. They never let the up cover right away, uh, uh, you know, just uh, unless he's – and I think boxing's learned this because of uh, uh, Fernando Vargas. I mean, think about Fernando Vargas, you know. Yeah. Uh, he was really rushed by main events, you know. They really listened to the fighter because he wanted all these big names, you know, and he wanted Tito Trinidad. you imagine if they would have said, no Trinidad, no Tito right now, let's wait, let's get some more fights underneath your belt? Uh, Vargas might have been a little bit more um, more down in his career, uh, you know, uh, better fights and better wins and stuff. But if you look at Var- Fernando Vargas's career, he's kind of lost to every big major fighter, 
and every big name um, and every big event he's lost. And that's kind of the reason is he was rushed. So I don't see the Ortiz or, or boots being rushed. Yeah. Um, Outlaws pointing out that he's uh, with, with Duncan, uh, Cameron Duncan. He's one of the mes- best managers in the sport. And uh, no Paul says Fernando was competitive in all his losses. He absolutely was. He was. He, That's he, why he we loved him. Trinidad. And he was competitive with De La Hoya for a while, too. Yeah. I was, I mean, I was look, a we, huge yeah. fan of El Feroz. Yeah. You know, Ferocious, Ferocious showed so much talent. I remember when he came out, I was really high on the kid. He had so much talent. I mean, he looked beautiful, man, when he would box. You know, uh, when he fought Yoribor Campos, uh, Raul oh, yeah. Marquez, you you just saw the talent. When he fought, uh, when he fought um, um, Ike Corte, you saw the talent there, you know. But then he was just bum-rushed. And, and then he, you know, and I think the Ike Corte was the – was kind of the curse, you know what I mean? Because that's where, like, main events were like, oh, wait a minute, this kid just beat Ike Corte, you know? May- maybe he could beat uh, Tito Trinidad, you know? Maybe he knows. Maybe he knows more than we do. And and they allowed him to kind of run with that, you know? But you imagine if they would have said, no, no, let's, you know, let's pull back on him. Let's pull that pet bull back on his leech. He could have done him far much more. And his boxing career. And had a much longer career. A much longer career, you know what I mean? And uh, drawn out, definitely more drawn out, you know? But I think it was short-lived because of the Tino Trinidad. After Tito, I mean, he was dropped by a guy named Flores who wasn't even known as a puncher. Remember that? You know, and his next fight, you know? So, you know, it just showed how how wars like that can age a young guy. You know, uh, um, it could just age him. It could add 10, 10, 15 years on him, you know. And uh, sometimes boxing has learned from that and moved on with it, you know. So that's why I don't see Boots or or like uh, uh, Ortiz. I don't see them doing that. And rightfully, they shouldn't. They shouldn't do that. Let, allow them to to progress. Canelo Alvarez is a guy that we all criticize. He had 40-plus fight, fights underneath his belt. A lot of them was, in, in, uh, of course, in Mexico. He didn't really burst into the scenes until 2012 here in the States, you know. But he had like 40, what, 45-something underneath his belt. And then Golden Boy slowly, very slowly started building him up in the rankings and putting him in with recognizable names like Carlos Baldemir, Josecito Lopez, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of fight fans, including myself, were like, hey, let's see him in there with somebody else, you know, because he had a, he did have a strap around his waist and stuff. But look. They end up drawing him out, and now where's he at? One of the top fighters, right? And he actually looks phenomenal in his boxing style. Great counter puncher. He's he actually looks very comfortable in his body. He doesn't look like a drawn out fighter the way he did against uh, Floyd Mayweather. So I'm I'm not one of those that are drumming to see a guy get rushed to the top. I like to see them, you know, progress to the top. Yeah, speaking of guys on their way to progressing to the top, at least that's what the plan is. Did you see the the debuts of Kasir Goldson and Jahai Tucker on ESPN Undercard? Yes, I did. What What were your thoughts, David? I mean, I, I not not a whole lot because you know, there's not really much. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm one of those guys that have to wait till like maybe ten fights. I mean, even in ten fights, for me. It's really hard for me to make an assessment of what of, of what I really think about them, you know. Um, and it's just because I don't I, I have such a high bar in fighters that it takes a long time. Like Lomachenko, 
everybody was on the Lomachenko train and I yeah. wasn't, you know, I didn't really get in, really didn't really start appreciating Lomachenko until he got dropped by Jorge Linares. You know, when I saw that this guy was able to get up and, and have a mean streak and show that he was a fighter and not just this ballet boxer, that changed it for me because it showed me that he could be, he could be versatile. And I kind of like that, you know, uh, the fighters that I followed and, and, and fell in love with, or like, you know, Salvador Sanchez, uh, you know, uh, uh, Pernell Whitaker, you know, guys like that, that showed me different faces of their career. Uh, Antonio, Antonio Marco Barreras, you know, guys like that show me who they are and stuff, you know? So I always hold that bar a little bit high, even like Oscar De La Hoya, you know what I mean? I mean, he threw away the Trinidad fight on those last rounds by boxing, but we've seen him in wars, you know? So I kind of hold that bar. And those are the guys, that's what I wait for before I jump on anything and say, I think this guy's going to be any good. I learned my lesson too uh, with Bonchito Mojado. I was just Man. about to bring him up. I was literally just- I learned my lesson, bro. <laughs> we're, we're, we're thinking the same thing here because I was super excited by Francisco Bojado, Panchito. And um, then he just kind of fizzled away. Like he was just killing guys with oh, body shots and, and, and left hooks. It was, it was beautiful boxing. And he was just like steamrolling the competition early on. I think with him, it was less about boxing skills and more about just dedication. Um, but that that's in the streets, what I you like know? Yeah. You couldn't leave the streets, you know? You know what they say, man? You could take the kid out of the ghetto, but not the ghetto out of the kid. And that's exactly what happened with them, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, going back with these uh, debuts, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited because, you know what, I, I thought that those kids did perform very well. They look good, but it's not enough yet for me to have an assessment of saying that they may be the new face and boxing because a lot of times think about this a lot of times the guy that we normally think is going to be the face turns out they're not i mean cal brook was supposed to be the pound for pound guy in the welterweight division what happened never made it there yeah right. you know amir amir khan when he came over from the state over here to the states uh gold medalist fast hands you know was supposed to do a whole lot and did it didn't reach that peak that we all expected, you know. Speaking uh, of Cal Brook, it's in the news now that he's going to be facing off against Terrence Crawford. I mean, the search continues for a Terrence Crawford opponent. What What are your <laughs> thoughts on that potential matchup, David? I see you laughing already. Oh, man. I mean, look. I mean, come on, Bob. Just give in already. Shit. <laughs> give in you know, already. You know what's funny about that? The fight's supposed to take place at welterweight, right? But... It was like two years ago where Eddie Hearn was saying how Kelbrook couldn't make welterweight, and he was like killing himself to make the weight class, and that's why he lost to to Spence. Like, might have even been more than two years ago. So the idea that he's going to come back now and, and and starve himself down to 147 and be competitive against Crawford, I mean, it just shows you like we're getting into desperation mode at this point with with trying to find a an opponent for Terrence. I mean, look. I think he can. I think he can definitely last twelve. We know he could take a beating. Yeah. We know. We know that he he can absorb punishment. Uh, we know he can box, but his body's betrayed him already. His eye, you know. Um, 
He cashed in on that Golovkin fight, and it cost him his orbital bone. Yeah, I mean, what? But what? What good does this do for Terence Crawford? Nothing. I think all it does is get him his minimum payday. I mean, when Crawford fought Amir Khan, that was the same question that was asked: What good does a Amir Khan name be on your resume? Well, it's a recognizable name, right? This is a recognizable name, Dave. And having a recognizable name is going to get him out more in more households around the global around the globe because Amir Khan's a global star. Okay, then we move from there. And even where then, have you moved? It hasn't even, happened. Even then, he didn't finish off Khan like like Canelo did. No, I mean, no. I mean, it was a questionable shot that ended the fight. If we're going to be honest, you know, Crawford's kind of entering the Floyd May- Mayweather of avoiding guys, but without the Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather uh, stat- stature. Stature, okay. Yeah. You know, and uh, I mean, at least with Floyd, it was because money, you know, he, he wanted all the money and, and and he actually worked to get to that position. You know, he was a phenomenal featherweight, light, you know, junior welterweight. When then he moves to welterweight and stuff, he had he actually put in a, a lot of work before he got to that point. After fighting Jose Luis Castillo, he got to that point. It was smart enough to understand that, you know what? I got to now be a matchmaker, not just a fighter. He understood the game better than anybody else at that mm-hmm. time. Okay. Crawford is allowing Bob to, to, and, and himself, you know, allowing himself to kind of play himself out of his own uh, legacy, you know? And, and when we talk about like Bonchito Bojado and outlaw mentioned like a Frankie Gomez, you know, guys that didn't make it to the, to we, what we thought it became a disappointment. I hate to say it. Crawford is kind of entering that path. He's becoming a disappointment here, you know, fighting kill Brook. What does that do for your career? What does it do for your legacy? Absolutely nada. Yeah, it doesn't do much. To be fair, it doesn't do much. And um, all those skills, all those skills that you have, and you're actually even being said about the from the media, okay? And Ring Magazine, whatever integrity they have left, which is not very much, being called the best welterweight in the world next to Errol Spence. At least Errol Spence is fighting guys that have more life in them than Kel Brook. Are Come they on. calling him? I haven't checked the ring ratings in so long. They're calling him the second best welterweight. Oh, I'm pretty sure. I, wonder, I know one of the guys in the chat room will look that up. You know? Wow. I mean, you know? He just I mean everybody else is every media outlet that I look at is it's it's Errol Spence or Crawford or Crawford Errol Spence, and I'm like, how do you have Crawford in the top three right now? He hasn't. He has not. He has yet to do anything in anything. the weight division. And you know, it's funny. I mean, look, he fought Jeff Horn, right? That's who he won his title from. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't dominate Jeff Horn the way Tim Zhu did. Nope, but that was in a different weight class. Even right? even so, even so, he's Tim Zhu's not in the pound for pound conversation for those no. who have that conversation. Exactly. Tim, Tim Zhu's pretty much a prospect. Like Nado said, Crawford turned down Porter because they were friends. Porter okay. was was down though. Porter was down. Porter was like, I want to get paid. Yeah. You know, I, not only do I want to get paid, I want to be on the legacy books. I want fight fans to remember me as one of the greats. You know, you know, when 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 20 years, 30 years, 40 years from now, when people when people are talking about boxing, he wants to enter that conversation 
We were like, yeah, man, Sean Porter is a great fighter. Or a young fighter coming up goes, you know, who's your who's the guy that inspired you? Sean Porter did. Mm. That's what Sean Porter, you know, in, you know, is is chasing. Crawford, what are you chasing? I know it's the bank. You're gonna get paid, uh, but how about putting the work to get paid? You know, Bob, you know, this really has no fault in Bob. Bob is being a promoter and he's being a smart promoter. And I've said this numerous times. He's using his resources. Hey, I can get Kell Brook and keep my fighter preserved and get him paid and keep him happy. Why not? If I was a promoter, that's exactly what I would do. Why would I want another promoter, a rival promoter to that? I, you know, make money where I have to split the check. I, I wouldn't want to do that. Who does that? Right. But. Crawford's the one that be thinking about his legacy, not just his bank account. You know, I mean, if belts are that important to fighters, think about that. Because a lot of people go like, we need to get rid of the belts. And, and fighters are like, no, we don't. I like having belts. I like having belts on my shelves, on my displays. Then you know what? Why isn't belts, championship belts, as important as your legacy being in the conversation as being a great? That should be up there, too. In yeah. my opinion. And I mean, I've raised this point in the past. I mean, he's a WBO champion. It wasn't very long ago when the WBO was like considered a fringe title, like barely above the IBO. So for those of for those people that really care about belts, they know that of the four major sanctioning bodies, you know, the WBO is like pretty much lightly regarded. It was only recognized in Japan even just a few years ago. Right. Um, <laughs> Obviously, the WBA, which the WBO splintered away from, is pretty much a joke now with the amount of championships they have in every weight class. But, yeah, you know, Lennox Lewis was undisputed champ. He didn't have to fight Herbie Hyde, the WBO champ at the time, um, for any kind of credibility at all. And that's just one example. What's up, champ? Ross, how you doing, brother? Let's see. Nando said Porter recently said he has not, he's said he's been guaranteed said he's been guaranteed the Spence and, and uh, Garcia winner. I know that I said that. You know, um, where's that Lee Crawford again? Well, he's been. I mean, that's what I was saying. Is Porter's been guaranteed that? But I mean, we all know what guaranteed means in boxing. You know, if the if the if a higher bidder comes along, they're gonna go with that. You know what I'm saying? So it all depends. It all depends. You know, um, Porter to me has got a lot of options still. You know, you know he could still keep fighting. And then again, there, you know, and that's just the thing. Think about how Porter's been doing it. He's fighting fighter after fighter after fighter. He's closing every door. Yeah, He's driving in every avenue. That's what Crawford should be doing. You know, that's what Crawford should be doing. He should yeah. be fighting every fighter out there, pushing Bob to get him that fight, calling him. I mean, he's on the biggest platform, one of the biggest platforms, ESPN. He should be on there as, as many times as he can saying, hey, I want to fight these guys. Let's yeah. figure something out, you know? No, Paul Boxeano says, uh, I got more respect for Chocolatito than Crawford. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, Paul, I agree with that 100%. I mean the problem for, for Chocolatito is that he was fighting in the lower weight classes and people didn't see his fights with like Pollo Estrada and the other guys down, down, down in the lower divisions. But yeah, I mean, 
Chocolatito, up until he lost, and I was actually at the fight here in New York um, against Sorung Vasai, was considered amongst the elite, top elite, um, yeah. pound for pound. And that wasn't just overnight. That was built up over many, many years of t- fighting very tough opponents in, like, wars. Yeah, he didn't have a – he wasn't put on this pedestal. You know, he had a fight to get on there, you know. And that seems – you know, isn't that kind of crazy in boxing? Have you ever kind of noticed that? You know, um, the guys that actually fight for that position don't get the respect that yeah. they should be getting. It's always mm-hmm. the other guy that doesn't fight as often, won't fight the other guy, but gets paid more and gets more recognition. You know, I was kind of th- this is a little bit similar, but a little bit uh, d- uh, different. Um, the Cuban prospect, um, Robesi Ramirez. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, ESPN was kind of talking about him being boring and you know tactical and you know the Cuban style and all of the stuff you usually hear. I'm going to say this again. Look, it's okay to have that critique. That's fine. That's your opinion. What I don't like is the inconsistency because for every time that they talk about a fighter like that with that style, they praise Andre Ward like 10 times. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then, like, Andre Ward wasn't on the broadcast this week, but usually he'll be talking about and doing things I never even really saw him doing. You know, in terms of like, oh, you got to go for the KO and – you got to know how to finish guys and this and that. I mean, yeah, he finished Kovalev, but I mean, you if you ask people to like name spectacular Andre Ward knockouts, they're really not going to be able to give you a like a really long list of knockouts. Am I way off on this, Dave? No, you're not. You're not. You know. Um, yeah, I mean, I I know they got a. I know that they got to fill in the time with things, you know, I know that they do, you know, the only reason I'm not able to speak on it, because a lot of times I don't even listen to them. (laughs) I don't know. I've, I've kind of, maybe it's because I've been married for so long. I have this, this uh, superhuman ability to tune out things (laughs) and listen to it and only listen to what I want to listen to. So like whenever Timothy Bradley, which I actually didn't think Timothy did a bad job um, this last Saturday. No, you know? I actually think he's really good. Yeah, and- I think when Tim decides not to be uh, firefighter Tim, he does great. You know, when he just starts talking about the fights and looking at the fight, he does phenomenal. I don't understand why they have Ward there if Tim could really kind of carry the show. Seriously. You know, it's he's kind of oversaturated. Enter- he's way more entertaining. He doesn't come across as condescending and patronizing to the fans or to his uh, uh, fellow uh, broadcasters. And, you know, I, I I watched an episode briefly of, I don't really usually watch the whole episodes, but Teddy Atlas's um, podcast. Uh, oh, wow. The Fight. I forget. I think it's just called The Fight with Teddy Atlas. Yeah, yeah. They we're essentially accusing Tim Bradley of, like, stealing material from, from Teddy Atlas and, like, how his whole commentating style and the words he uses uh, are like plagiarized from Teddy Atlas. I, I don't see that. I, I just don't. I mm. I think Tim has his own unique style. Uh, does he get excited at times? Yes. But 
I think that's like his legit personality. I don't see him as being fake. Um, like I'll tell you who I do see as, as being fake, unfortunately, is a lot of the fighters that I see doing the PVC telecast. Like they seem to be like being a version of themselves that's not really who they are. Like I don't really see that with Tim Bradley. I do. And I'll you tell you why I do. Okay. I've, had, one. I've had Tim on the show. Okay. I've, I've known Tim. Yeah. I knew him on a personal level. Okay. Um, and then when he got with Teddy, he did kind of channel the spirit of Teddy. So you know? I'm off on this. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's, that's what I was talking right. about. Teddy Adams is actually right. But here, let me tell you, let me, that's why I added that Saturday, he seemed to kind of tone it down. Yeah. And, you know, um, with me, it's like when he, like I said, he didn't channel the firefighter, Tim Bradley. Yeah, yeah. You know, when, when he just, when he goes into a zone of watching a fight and breaking it down mm-hmm. and calling out certain things, that's the Bradley that I like. That's, I'm like, okay, that's the Bradley. But when he goes into the firefighter mode and he's like yelling and screaming and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I get it. He's trying to throw enthusiasm because he does have a dry personality off camera. But okay. when, he, when he does that, though, it reminds me of when we had Timothy Bradley and Nate Campbell. Remember when they were going to fight, when they fought? We had them on both at the same time. And Tim Bradley at the time had a Metro cell phone. And you couldn't really hear him. And Nate Campbell has got a gifted gab, if we all yeah, remember. Yeah. Nate Campbell's got a gifted gab. I was a fan of Nate Campbell. He was in good fights, too. Right. And Nate Campbell went in on his ass by telling him, bro, he's all, bro, you got to get a better phone. You got to upgrade your phone. Like, drop the Metro already. That, and, and, and Tim had no response to that. So I, I kind of see where Tim's at. I mean, I know where I know that's the Tim. That's the Tim that I know. This other firefighter, Tim, it just doesn't seem uh, um, real. It's just, I, I, it kind of turns me off. But I think he does it to overrun Andre Ward, you know, because like I, like I said, why do they have Andre Ward? If Tim can tone it down and yeah. beat Timothy Bradley, you know, the fighter, the analyst, Timothy Bradley is a fighter. He's phenomenal. When Ward starts talking, he does a good job. He does a phenomenal job. But then when Ward comes on, it's almost like you hear the same guy. You can't really tell the difference because they both could be coming in a monotone voice they both use similar words and they both have a very, you know, a, 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 a unique way of, of, uh, of calling the fight, you know, I'm uh, not unique, a uh, similar way of calling mm-hmm. the fight. So I sometimes go, I sometimes get confused. Like, wait a minute, who said that? Is that, was that Tim that said that? Or was that Ward? You know? So what I say is get them, get them out, you know, get, a, get another different voice in there. Well, they, uh, used, Ward. they used to have Mark Kriegel. But then they moved him to like another role where he now does like, you know, pieces of, of, with background story about the guys that are fighting. I thought he did a decent job because usually the format is you got the blow by blow guy, you've got the journalist, and then you have the former fighter. ESPN seems to have gone with um, blow by blow guy, right? Two fighters, and then what? Usually happens, at least in this dynamic, is one fighter, namely Andre Ward, wants to show that he's way smarter than Tim Bradley and is constantly kind of trying to show him up and correct him and, like, counter all of his points. Oftentimes they're valid points, but, yeah, I, 
it's an interesting dynamic. I honestly haven't seen this amount of arguing between commentators since uh, George Foreman, Larry Merchant. Yeah, and you imagine Larry Merchant wasn't a wasn't a fighter, but so it made it more interesting, you know. Whereas Timothy Bradley and Ward, I mean, it's 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 a conflict of who who was a greater fighter, you know. And that's the sense that I get. Like Andre Ward to me is almost almost like telling Timothy Bradley, like, calm down, little guy. I I retired undefeated. I was a gold medalist, you know. And uh, and that's I don't know. I I, I mean, I'm not saying I don't like Ward. I like Ward as a commentator too, but I say, look, you got to pick one or the other, uh, you know, ESPN, because you have almost a, a, a similar voice on there and uh, you can't really tell the difference. And if you're going to have that, why have them both? You know what I mean? I, I just don't get that, you know? Um, and then here's another thing. Um, why do we have so many commentators? Why are there so, so many voices? Why can't there just be two? I agree. You don't really need that many. Um, you know, to call out a three-minute round, why do we need to hear from four or five different guys? Yeah, the official scorecard. Why do I need to hear his? You know, uh, you know him break it down. Just give us your official scorecard. That's it. In between the rounds, not during the fight. In between the rounds. Well, in, in, you know? in the case of ESPN, even when they do the, the scorecards. Andre Ward always comes in and give us gives us his scorecard anyway, so they could just go with that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, let me ask you guys this, man. I know a lot of you guys. I think uh, G Funk is really looking forward to this because you know he's a big time Chavez Junior fan here. <laughs> are you looking forward to that? Why in the fuck is this guy still fighting? And why why is anybody? <laughs> I mean, Jesus he's still fighting Christ. because he has a name and. Um... He can make a six-figure payday off of that name. And, you know, you can live pretty well off of six figures in Mexico. He sure can. Who's he fighting? I don't even remember the dude's name. I've never Does heard anybody of him. Anybody know? Does anybody even know who he's fighting? I mean, I can look it yes, up. Yes. What, what, is it an open weight division no, that he's fighting? taking place at light heavyweight. Wow. Which is not really <laughs> that he's that he's best at. So uh, it's, it's just not really a serious fight. Let's see what uh, Chap Ross. Remember when media, when Showtime used to show media row scorecards about ten years ago? They don't even do that anymore. Yeah, I remember that. I remember they used to come around too and grab it, yeah. grab media rows, uh, um, scorecards and stuff. You know, Mario uh, Casares. So uh, that's his opponent. It's taking place in Tijuana on September the 25th. You know what would make it worth it to watch the Chavez Jr. fight? Is it did his ring walk, uh, ring walk uh, in high heels. <laughs> that would be worth it. I mean, the guy he's facing is undefeated, 11-0, 5 KOs. I don't know what weight class he's been fighting in. but Featherweight probably. <laughs> yeah. They're jumping him. <laughs> I'm a, I I don't know anything about this guy. Neither do I. Um, I mean, there's a there's a. Well, here's the thing: he's 11 yeah, undefeated. If he lands a big shot, is Chavez Jr. gonna bitch out like he did against Dan- Danny Jacobs? Did we see that happening? My nose broke. That was I couldn't so, breathe. That was such a weird fight, too, because 
everything's weird when it comes to junior now. Okay, you can't you can't really rate this guy's record. Uh he won his pro debut against a guy that was zero and ten. Um and then just two fights ago, he fought a guy that was 13 and 14. And the fight after that, he fought a guy that was nine and eight. So totally discount what I said about him in being undefeated. That's not really a a solid resume right there. Totally discount Chavez Jr. fighting. Is he relevant? Would he be relevant if uh, since Sergio Martinez is back in the scene, you know, and a lot of people who actually – uh, excited and thought they did fairly well, which he did. He did fairly, fairly well in this, uh, in this fight. Um, would you be, would anybody be into Chavez Jr. versus Sergio Martinez on the rematch? Nah, because Chavez Jr. was already big when they fought the first time, and now he's weighing in as a light heavyweight. Um, if anything, if Oscar really, really wants to come back, maybe he could fight him. Oh, Oscar. God. I mean, the guy says he's running eight miles a day and is in great shape. So that actually wouldn't be bad. Him you know, and Oscar. Yeah, that could be going at it. Right at 154. Uh, but what's Chavez Jr. can't make 154? No, not Chavez Jr. Oh, you mean Sergio Martinez? Sergio Martinez, yeah. That actually, yeah. I would yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Yeah, honestly, I'd rather watch that than Tyson versus uh Roy Jones Jr. How about a tournament of the of, of, of the legends? You know, guys that retire, but they're not that too far off in the retirement. Like, I would be into this. Now, hear me out before you guys jump down my throat. But since a lot of these dudes are trying to come out of retirement because now you're seeing Mike Tyson and Roy Jones do it and how much of the, uh, uh, you know, attention that is received from the media, I would be into a tournament of, like, Miguel Cotto, Sergio Martinez, um, Oscar De La Hoya, uh, who else? Who else could we throw in there in the mix? In a tournament at 154, 160, mm, right? Maybe Shane, maybe, maybe Shane Mosley. Shane Mosley. There's that's number four. Uh, 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 you know, throw in two more guys. Come on, guys, help me out. T- two more guys in that in a tournament. You know, um, a- an exhibition. Now that I actually would be into. I would be interested in seeing something like that. You know, eight rounds of boxing. Yeah. I mean, look, if they wanted to fight, they can fight. Uh, I just don't want to see them against top guys, you know? Throw in Antonio Magarito, like uh, run PMC. As long as he doesn't have eye issues. Didn't he have eye issues, Margarito, or am I wrong on that? No, he he did, but I mean, he he just said his body uh, betrayed him in his last fight. I'm sure it did. Oh, you know what? Throw in uh, Pedro Angulo. He's not retired. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> he fights. He fights retired. I mean, <laughs> the way he throws punches, he fights retired. Outlaw said Trinidad, Dave. You're right. Trinidad. Yeah. Trinidad. Yeah, why not? G-Funk said Shane is punchy. Dude, they're all punchy at this point <laughs> of their career. They're punchy, okay? You know, Roy Jones thinking that he can knock out Mike Tyson is very punchy in the head. <laughs> the senior circuit boxing. Uh, Chap Ross, that would be great. That'd be a great, great header. Uh, Magarito, Mayorga. Hey, but Mayorga got locked up, I heard, right? You're mute, Amilcar. You're mute. <laughs> I, I, I hit the mute button. 
you know, I was going to say Mayorga earlier, but I didn't think anyone would go for that. But he'd always be up for a fight. Dude, he would make it. He would make the presses. Seriously. He would make the presses, dude. Yeah. I mean, look, if the UFC ex-fighters can do some type of like old age fight like Tito and Trinidad. I mean, what was it? Chuck Liddell and Tito. Why couldn't these guys do that? You know, if these guys are really looking to make some money, why couldn't the legends come out and say, hey, listen, we're going to do an exhibition. How many? I, okay, look, how much is the fucking uh, uh, Roy Jones and Ty Tyson fight going to be? You mean pay-per-view cost? Yeah, yeah. How much is that going to be? Uh, I mean, I hope they don't price it over 50 bucks. I think it's going to be like 50 bucks. That's still a little right. too much. Yeah, I, I know it's way too much. I mean, it should be like 1995, like the old uh, uh, Pinoy Power pay-per-views. You remember those? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I th I honestly think that that fight. Like that. Yeah, you know. And then the undercard is like Badu Jack. I mean, dude, is their career that bad that you got to be on that undercard and stuff? I mean, it's going to do well, but it's not going to do that well. But anyways, let, let's get away from that. Let, if they're, they're willing, 50 bucks, like I said, that to me is a bit much, okay, for Tyson and, and Roy Jones. But if you had six ex-world champions, legends, for 50 bucks, I would pay for that. Actually, you know what? This is how I'd pay for it. If it was, you're saying a tournament in one night, like K1 style, you mm -hmm. let, let, yeah. let them fight four round fights. Four round fights, yes. Winner faces winner, and then there's like a champion at the end. I'd go for that. Just do it all in one night. Hey, look, yeah, run. You're right. The Dalwin Ortiz was a Golden Boy MMA. <laughs> that was their run in MMA. Um, yeah, you see what I mean? That would be, that would be, or or they or they do like a two package thing. Fifty bucks, fifty bucks for two nights of a tournament. It gives a guy, you know, like do it one one Friday night and then the following Friday night. You know, but you already paid for the bundle. Fifty bucks. So they they fight. The first week, and then they also fight the second week if they win. Yeah, because you never know. One of them might break a hip or something like that. I mean, we're talking about some old bastards here, you know? <laughs> yeah, headgear, 16-ounce gloves. Yeah. Oh. I would definitely de throw in <laughs> throw in uh, Juan Diaz, the baby bull versus uh, Pauly Big Mouth Malnagy. You know what's crazy? All these uh, names that are coming up are names that I've been thinking about today. It's I was literally thinking about Juan Diaz and Rocky Juarez just like 30 minutes ago. Yeah. See, I, I would definitely be into something like that, you know? <laughs> you know what's crazy? You, you should have you should have put us. You we, would not be, we would not be saying this shit. If we had not just gone through months and months of COVID and not being able to watch, to watch fucking boxing, we, if that yeah, you're right. A right. year ago, I'd be like, Dave, are you fucking insane? <laughs> but now well, I'm I mean, for it. I mean, yeah, because look, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones, they kind of opened that door. I, I actually saw some media fans, like literally, so they're so excited about Tyson. <laughs> Versus Roy Jones Jr. And I'm like, we're stars. These, guys, these guys fucking fell on their heads worse than Roy and 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 Tyson. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, if I was if I was the zone, I mean shit, it's not that far fetched. The zone would tell we were telling Canelo to fight his promoter, Oscar de la Hoya. They 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 looked at that as a premier fight. I mean, I'm 
pretty sure the, the zone is hemorrhaging cash right now. So, I mean, they they probably they probably take anything they can get. The tag name could be uh, be better late than ever. Like have uh, Trinidad versus De La Hoya on the first roster. You know, the rematch. Or Trinidad versus Mosley because that fight never happened. (laughs) Trinidad versus uh, Oscar 2, the four-round fight with headgear. Throw Vargas, Fernando Vargas. Throw him back in there. I was thinking him too because we mentioned him earlier in the show. Wow. You know, somebody's got got a lot more clout than I do, David. You should pitch this. (laughs) I should pitch it to Evan for Ring City. (laughs) If I did that, I don't think Evan will ever take my call ever again. Maybe reach out to Steve Kim and have him speak to his bosses at ESPN. Oh, that'd be the same thing. My number would be blocked permanently from Steve Kim if I was to bring that up. Yeah. Uh Ricky Hatton. Who's another fat guy that if Ricky Hatton was in this tournament? Who could who could he fight? Oh, Fernando Vargas. You know what I'd like to see? Ricky Hatton Costa Zoo, the rematch. Let me let, let's get let's get Costa his rematch. I bet you oh, we wow. beat him down. I, I bet you he and he knocks out Hatton this yeah. time. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what heavyweights that 90s we bring back you know what we need to see huh have you ever heard of chess boxing look it up there's like there's like fights where guys play chess one round and then box the next round we could do vladimir vitali klishko versus lennox lewis in a chess boxing match b-hop versus david hay that was a fight that was supposed they were in talks i remember having b-hop on the show b-hop and david hay yeah, remember? Do you remember when Weehop was campaigning? He wanted to fight David Hay. Dude, we actually had him on. We had him on. Because up until like literally just before his Achilles went in the first um, fight with Bellu, David Hay was like still had savage knockout power and speed and quickness. I mm-hmm. mean, he would. I think he would have destroyed. I I like Behop as a fighter, but look at what happened to him versus Joe Smith. I know. But here's the thing, though, um, is that B-Hop's body, though, hasn't portrayed him the way David Hayes' body has portrayed him. You know? He stumped his... He never recovered from the toe. Never recovered. Bro, have you stubbed stubbed your toe before, though? That shit's painful. (laughs) It's painful. It's painful. (laughs) But it went from his toe to his ankle to his knee. Yo, to be like honest, a, he's a tough guy. He fought like what was it? Almost two rounds on a torn Achilles, and that wasn't like a Gamboa torn, torn Achilles. That was like a real torn Achilles. No, it was. Um, no, I mean going back again with this legendary tournament. Yeah. Like I like some of the names these guys are throwing up there. You know, um, Ray Mercer versus Butterbean, Bo <laughs> versus Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Actually, why am I why am I such against the Roy Jones and, and Mike Tyson I would, fight? I would, I'm liking these, this shit. These are much better fights than Tyson Jones. I'm going to be honest with you. They're more competitive. Yeah, I mean, I've always wanted to see Larry Holmes and and George Foreman. Ooh, God, that would have been a phenomenal fight. 
Right? Yeah. That would have been a phenomenal fight. Absolutely. But, I mean, you know, going back again with Oscar De La Hoya flirting with uh, Return to the Ring and Sergio Martinez absolutely doing it, you know, I mean, it's, it is it is bringing some interest in, in the news and with even casual fans because I know that I've had a couple casual fans when I'm walking at work and stuff. They're like, man, did you hear about Oscar? What do you think about that? And I'm just like, you know, uh, or they're talking about Mike Tyson and Roy Jones and, you know, oh, you know, you know Roy's fast, though. You know, I, I, I don't think Mike's going to be able to to catch up to him. Roy's fast? Yeah. Roy you know, was fast. He was fast. They need to check out his his, his fight against, uh, what's the guy's name? Dennis, um, the Russian fighter. Yeah, the Russian guy. It starts with an L, right? Yeah, hard last name. Yeah, I mean. All right, all right. All right. Yeah, but, uh, we got to stop this silliness over here really quick. Get back to reality here on Leave the Ring. Let's just really re- uh, recap with the uh, – our picks uh, for this Saturday, upcoming Saturday on Showtime, ESPN Plus, and DAZN. Remember, don't forget the ESPN Plus and DAZN are at 9 a.m. in the morning. So get up right and early, uh, drink your coffee, be there, uh, watch those fights. And then you got later on in the evening the Showtime pay-per-view fight, the Charles Twins debut in the in a, in a pay-per-view fight, and it got some great undercards on there as well that's uh, 9 a.m pacific time though david that's not 9 a.m out here on the east coast so that's right pacific time i'm over here yeah yes 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 i keep forgetting there's there's more to the to the world than just california yeah. sorry guys i know that d style that drives them nuts if anything like hey, what about you know <laughs> anyways uh okay so going off to the zone here who do you got here Amil Car? really who's your your pick that's a tough one because I haven't seen them fight in so long. But based on their last performances, I'm going to have to go with Bradis. Bradis, yeah. I was kind of leaning with him. Yeah, um, leaning towards him. And I like the KO doctor, but I'm, I am I think I'm going with Bradis this time. Well, the thing with the KO doctor, I mean, he does carry his power late, too. Oh, well, he does. But, it, 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 but um, if, you're, if you get him in a tough fight, um, he can kind of like hold back. He doesn't fight like your typical Cuban fighter. Remember that, you know? So he does tend to kind of stay really reserved and conservative with his punches. Mm-hmm. Breeze can outwork him. Outwork yeah. him. Um, break him down. I'm going to go with a late stoppage with Breeze. Yeah, he also has a good chin. And if he can stay yeah. away from, from the power, I see him working the body and, yeah, potentially late stoppage. Because Dordicos is, as we've seen, I mean, he gets vulnerable in the later rounds. He he does. He's dangerous. But I just don't expect him to come out fast, you know, Dordicos. I don't see him coming out fast. I I mean, he hasn't been that kind of a guy. Um, You know, um, even though though we keep saying he doesn't fight like a Cuban, but he's strategic like a Cuban fighter. Mm -hmm. He does look for that punch. He does set up his punch. So Reedus can actually close that and, and kind of take him out of a rhythm. He's and, got a variety of punches, too. Yeah. That's the thing is that uh, Reedus is the guy that can take you out of a rhythm. So that's why I'm going to go with him. I'm leaning with him for a late KO. Um, I'll, I'll pick between the 10th and 11th round that he gets uh, uh, the Kato's uh, out of there. All right. And then coming up on ESPN. Wait a minute. So what, what, yours was the uh, same as mine, or, or you're going to go to Sydney? I'm gonna I'm gonna go 
I, I'm not going to go KO. I'm going to go decision. There you go. Decision. I got KO. Uh, both going for Brutus. Uh Josh Taylor versus uh, Kong Sung. Um, who do you like in that fight? I just I think we're both on the same page on that fight, right? Yeah, I think we are too. I just don't know enough about him. I'm just literally going off of stereotypes of Thai fighters being tough, and I'm thinking tape I'm that I've seen on him. You know he's tough. Tape that I've seen on him, yeah. I know he's tough. You know, yeah. and he's he's big. Yeah, he's yeah. He's as he's as big as Taylor. So yeah. I'm gonna go, I'm actually gonna go like you. The tape I've seen of him, he is tough and he's big. I'm gonna go twelve rounds, Taylor. 12 rounds, Taylor. I think so, too. I think, actually, it's going to be a little closer than we think. Uh, right. I think, though, that Taylor will probably take over on the sixth and seventh round. Uh, and I think he just sweeps those rounds, takes the, the other, championship The other rounds. reason I say that, too, is because Ben Davidson is known to be, like, more of a, of, of a cautious coach as, a, as tactically. In fact, that's the main reason Tyson Fury went to Sugar Hill, because he – he just didn't want to train for decisions. He wanted to train for knockouts. So um, that's kind of leaning into my analysis as well. In terms of the Charlo cards, David, mm -hmm. uh, we got Jermel and, uh, versus Banana. Who you got in that one? God, that's such a 50-50 fight, man. Toss-up. But you know what? I'm going to go with Rosario, man. You took it from me, man. I, I, I like Rosario in this fight. Yeah, yeah, so do I. I, I like him. In, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of his. And in 50-50 yeah. fights, I always go uh with the person I kind of want to win. So yeah, you I'm know, I'm the same. It reminds me of 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 it. You know what this reminds me of? Now, Edison Miranda is no Charlo. Charlo is a much more much more polished fighter than yeah. Edison Miranda, but but the focus was how their, you know, S. Miranda was just going to be the next star and Kelly Pavlik, nobody took notice. You know what I mean? Like he was just this guy. We knew that he was big, he was strong, but nobody really cared about him. And all the press was about Miranda. I kind of see that happening here. Charlo, you know, they, they, they made a, 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 a small documentary on him, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and kind of let Rosario out. Out, outside, but he holds a title. You know, I think the hunger is still there. I think he got the recognition with the title, but not the recognition from the fans in the world yet. I think he's hungry for that. So, and seeing the temperament of Charlo, I think he's going to make it an accessible fight for, for the banana to land these big, heavy shots he likes to throw. You That's know, what I'm seeing. I, yep. I, Car Charlo likes to go to war, like, he'll start out boxing. But if you hurt him, he's he's going to start fighting you. And I think that's exactly what Banana is going to want to do. And yeah. um, I mean, he's got one word on his mind, offense, when he's fighting. And, you know, I, I just like the will and the desire. And he does have skills as well. So, he does. And you know he what? He has a jab. Yeah, he does. I'm going to double down on my upsets. I'm going to also call Devrinchenko. In fact, Ooh. in fact, if Devrinchenko loses, I'm going to say it's a controversial loss. Now that I'm riding the upset train, I might as well ride it all the way and, and call Devrinchenko as well. Don't sleep on Damien Sugar Vasquez, uh, Run says in G-Funk Boxing. Charlo loads up too much and leaves himself open. You're going to go with Dormanchenko. I like Dormanchenko. 
Um, I just don't know how many miles he has in the engine. I like Charlo. I think he fights far better on the outside, and I think he sets up his punches better than the, his 154-pound brother. I'm going to go with Charlo. I think he wins by decision. I think it's going to be a tough win, but I think in those later rounds, it's going to pay off, and I think his height and his, and his length of arms, uh, it's going to pay off for him. So you got Domachenko. I got Charlo by decision on the 12th round. Yep. I mean, my mind, my brain tells me Charlo, obviously, but right. I think it'll be more. I'll, I'll have a little bit more fun watching the fights if if I got a couple upsets riding on this, especially if I'm paying seventy whatever dollars to to let's just call yeah. it eighty dollars for the for the pay per view. Well, there you go, folks. Those are our picks here on Leaving the Ring. Um, Join us on our social media. We'll be up uh, up and early. I'll be up and early to watch the fights. So join me on social media. Don't forget, every Monday night we're here at uh, 5 p.m. and uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we'll be back on Block Talk. We just wanted to test out this here, uh, this stream with the milk car and uh, on YouTube here. So, again, don't forget to hit the like button, the subscribe button, and hit that little notification bell so you know that we're on live. All right, guys. Again, have a great weekend. Don't drink and drive. You will spill your beer. Awesome. Thank you, David. Thank you, everyone, for participating.